May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> I don't want to say it. I just have to. <laughs> May the enthusiasm be always in your voice. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 386 with a review of The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Statnus Maberdasher. <laughs> and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week is finally done. We <laughs> it's finally <laughs> Hunger Games Mockingjay Too Chi Too Furious. Too cheap, too furious. It's it's too many two movies is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we are finally. I think with the last like three films, or I guess technically two films split into three. Um, I think every time we walk into the theater, we're like, we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> it is done. Um, but now they're done, right? There's no more mocking anything after this, right? It depends on how this review goes. Are we going to be mocking it or not? <laughs> hey, uh, I don't think there's any more. I, I we'll thought, see. They didn't really leave the world open to like a fun sequel. <laughs> yeah, like like so. So I, the film ends in a place where like it, it's done. If it's not done, then I don't know why they ended it the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think there were more books, but I kind of sworn I saw a headline somewhere when scrolling through some set of RSS feeds where somebody said like, "This guy says he would do more if the money was good" or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I don't know if I was reading an old headline before. I don't know. I I don't know much of anything anymore. I, I think there's another sequel coming out called Allegiant. I saw a trailer for that. <laughs> Which I'm going to watch the shit out of, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> I, it's so funny. Like, that series, like, it's it's just good enough to for me to not hate on it too much. Like, it, it's... I, 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 I watch the trailers and I'm like... Ah, at least like this universe better than the hunger games universe they um, give everything away though i feel like the the trailer for allegiant they told me here's what's going to happen then there will be this reveal then it'll cause this twist then this is going to happen <laughs> oh but steven we don't know if when the guy says shoot them down if they get shot down <laughs> oh yeah that's true <laughs> uh, i don't know they're, they're just doing enough little stupid fun things with like the the way like i just you know running towards nothingness and then the force field disappears and like <laughs> oh, shit, I, I just want to know out of the hundred people she kills in this movie which one is she gonna feel bad about well obviously the one that steps off a ledge and dies that that's true because <laughs> that's the sad one philip pity <laughs> he's trying to hang his high wire between buildings is that <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go to the Allegiant and uh, hang my wire. <laughs> that was the dauntless test for <laughs> new French applicants. Yeah, everybody else was using the net below the hole in the building to get in. He's like, no, remove the net. I did not need it. <laughs> the audience knows if I'm lying. <laughs> I jump without the net. Oh, but anyways, yes, yeah, so we're about to talk about Mockingjay. Um, but before we do that, um, one Carson Patrick, who left us a nice little voicemail last week um, on our review there, 
Well, he didn't leave us another voicemail, but he did write in because uh, the other voicemail, um, you know, Google does some weird things. Hey, he says it in his email. But he, he, he sent us a quick little email, which I'm going to read because it's nice and short, just because I don't want to cut off the thought that he mail, emailed into us. Um, but basically, he says, you guys were comparing uh, it being Spectre to Rogue Nation a lot, but I didn't even think of those comparisons myself until after I had seen it. Weirdly, I was thinking of True Detective Season 2 while watching it. They both have the same uh, pulpy, trashy tones, and they are dissimilar from their predecessors. Uh, plus, the praise for Skyfall and True Detective Season 1 were so strong that the knee-jerk reaction to the follow-ups were almost nothing but scathing. I agree that Rogue Nation is a stronger film, but Spectre makes for some nice, uh, makes for a nice companion, excuse me. And then he goes on to say, uh, there's more I could express, but all caps, I know I'm going too long, okay? <laughs> Anyways, Mockingjay Part 2, wow, is it just me, or is that worse than Part 1? I feel like I won't be alone on this. Well, <laughs> you, don't watch, uh, you don't watch True Detective, right, Stephen? I do not, know, okay, But so you, I still have heard that season two was nowhere near as good as season one. Yeah, it seems to be universally uh, hated in at least some ways. And uh, so in that way, I think that Carson has an app comparison. Not that that comparison makes Spectre stronger in any way, but I mean, I could see how he could think of it as that in that maybe he liked uh, season two of True Detective more than the general population did. And, uh, you know, they were both follow-ups to really good things being season one and uh and hey vince vaughn as the new james bond could be interesting <laughs> wait what wasn't he in true detective season two yes but i just didn't know where you were turning him into the new james bond having oh, that just you... just a crossover i think they should join forces gotcha gotcha no i feel it um but yes carson patrick weighing in to complete his thought on the film uh there it is. <laughs> it's a fine thought. So I listened to the voicemail, and I think he makes a good point. I I wish I had watched the movie feeling those things. Like, if I had liked the movie, it, I wouldn't give two shits about whether it was like Rogue Nation or not. It's only in not liking the movie that all of those other things became, like, glaring issues that I wanted to take up. You know, like, if you if you really like a movie, then you will ignore all the reasons to shit on it, I think. And, and also, to be fair, we were bringing up the comparisons, like we always phrased it in the, it's really unfortunate for Spectre that this movie beat it to the punch because mm -hmm. it, wasn't like, it wasn't like a like, oh, screw Spectre because they just ripped off all this shit. It was like, it just, those things were eerily similar and it, it, yeah. it was more interesting to talk about those comparisons than it was to be like, yeah, I just didn't like it. Next. Yeah, I think we were being respecter about it. <laughs> Very nice. Well, speaking of being respecter, <laughs> should we try to respecter the Mockingjay in this uh, review of the film? Yes. All right. Well, people, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Mockingjay Part 2 and then come back and let you know what we thought. I've been watching you. And you watching me. My dear Miss Everdeen. Make no mistake. The game is coming to its end. 
For the first time in our lifetimes, we're standing together with 13 districts. Our future starts tomorrow at dawn when we march together into the Capitol. To slow our attacks, President Snow is building a minefield of traps. The sadistic inventions of game makers meant to make sport of our deaths. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 76th Hunger Games. So that was the trailer for The Hunger Games, The Mockingjay, Part 2, colon, it, and The Lightning Wait, Thief. is it The Mockingjay? Yeah, whatever. It's, it's all the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you just, just got sorry, me all sorry. caught up. The, the uh, Cracker Jackers or whatever they're called. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So in th- this is the follow-up to the last film. Basically, where we left off, Katniss had just had the crap strangled out of her by PETA. Um, a bunch of the uh, districts were all uniting to try to take on the capital. And this, in this film, that starts to happen. Basically, the resistance is rising up. Um, you know, John Connor's leading them. And they are going to be uh, trying to take out Snow and take out the capital. And, uh, you know, Snow doesn't want to be taken out. So he's going to lay some traps from the game makers and try to blow up our hero and her squad of people. And uh, we are going to rush our way towards the credits so that we can leave the series behind us. Steven, did the Hunger Games, colon, Mockingjay, dash part two, <laughs> um, leave a better taste in your mouth than the previous films? And basically, did, did it leave you with like, you know what, this franchise is worth it? Or did it just continue in the train of our not-so-happy thoughts of it? Actually, ellipses, it sort of, kind of made me look back fondly on the series. And that isn't to say that it was a well-made movie. Um, I mean, the, I could I could bash so much about this movie clearly. Like, I feel like Jennifer Lawrence is even more out of it than Daniel Craig was when he was doing Spectre. <laughs> like, nowhere did I feel like she gave even half a shit about what her character was doing. She's just, like, steely-eyed... I mean, like, her character's supposed to be kind of, like, getting tired and apathetic about everything, but 
still like not an engaging hero at all in this movie and like uh, the love triangle stuff like i really hope they would abandon it and instead they just steered even more in like (laughs) the most inopportune times in this movie like people are dying and like bros are just looking at each other like so when you were about to die she kissed you huh how do you feel about that? <laughs> well, well Steve, Steven, you got to think about it this way, right? Like the love triangle is a black hole and you know that you can't escape the event horizon of a black hole, but mm-hmm. your only chance is to actually accelerate around the curve of where the gravity is pulling in right, and use yeah. that to speed you up faster than the speed. So they can loop around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it really, it, it just makes sense. It, like yeah, yeah, so, the so, only so, way to get out of this thing is just to steer directly into it. So they steered... They've been having this descent into Twilight, like into this teen fanfic romance type thing. Yeah, I always felt that the first movie was the strongest. And with every subsequent movie, they have gotten less and less of a backbone and more and more of a like teeny bopper romance. Yeah. Um, And this one, they did hit the event horizon. I think they got deeper into the stupid than they have before. But it does circle back around and... For all of the inconsistencies that we'll get into in spoilers, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It does shoot back full force into the darkness that the first movie promised. Like, the twists of this movie and the way they decide to end, like, the tone, the beats they decide to hit, like, they finally at least got a backbone. They decided, like, we are not going to make any teenage girls happy right now. (laughs) And... As kind of convoluted as the movie was and as like lame the acting and as predictable as some of the moments, I did feel a kind of rush of adrenaline when I saw like where they were going with the franchise. And for once, I kind of felt like all those things people told me about, just wait, it's going to get dark, I promise, it's going to get dark, I promise. I finally see what they mean. <laughs> like if I were telling my my little kid in some dystopian future where I have kids. <laughs> um, if I were telling them about this movie they should watch, I would not tell them this is a fun movie with a female hero who shoots a bow and arrow and there's going to be action figures about her. I would tell them <laughs> this is a dark-ass movie series <laughs> to the point where it is unclear what the point is in the end. But I... So I think all I can say is I kind of like the books. Like, whatever the source material did to veer in this direction, I like it. I think the way they executed it in this movie is very problematic. There are, like, huge pacing issues and huge tonal issues where they shift from the Twilight-type movie that it was becoming into this, like, Children of Men movie (laughs) that it tried to end on. Um but conceptually, I dug it, and I think I dug the concept enough that I walked out with annoyance, but mild props for what they were doing. So I'm not going full-blown contrarian here, but I definitely liked it better than part one and might have liked it better than the second movie, too. All right. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I... For part one, I was kind of cluing into the darkness a little bit already. Like, I was kind of like, I like where they're going with this, and they're making it more of, like, 
the, the story of a rebellion as opposed to a story of all this like other stuff. And while it was still mixed in with all the drama and all like the, we got to like deal with the whole po- politics of the capital and stuff like that. I really liked the idea that no, this, this is war. Like th- there's a scene that I kept bringing up like ambiguously in the last film, which I'm fine spoiling now because we're here reviewing the second film and contextually you if you're listening to this, you should have seen the last one. But there's a scene where the, I guess the the rebels, the the our our good guys, are being chased into this forest, and they climb up these trees, and then they just set off a shit ton of these like small explosives that just lay waste to like 50 people at once. And there's no real sense that those people made it out themselves. Like they were climbing up trees, but like the explosion took down all the trees. So somebody like they probably died also. Then there's like another scene where they, they suicide bomb a dam, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which like for a PG 13 movie suicide bombing a dam seems pretty gnarly to me. Um, Let's just think about that. The heroes are suicide bombers. Yes. yes. (laughs) In this teen movie, which by the way, um, first, first continuity gripe for you. Um, so as I just said, Last film, they suicide bomb a dam. The opening of this film, when they're marching towards the capital, Katniss's squad has this big-ass establishing shot where they track her walk across the dam that they suicide blew up in the last movie. Are um, you sure it's the same one, Chris? It's the same dam, because that dam is like, there's like a bunch of water and the capital and then a dam. And that's well, it. I'll be damned. Yeah, I'll be damned. <laughs> Actually, none be damned, because they <laughs> apparently undid the explosion. Um... But yeah, like there's a lot of crazy stuff and for the first time characters are actually admitting it too. Like in this film we see soldiers coming up with plans and we see Katniss going like wait wait a second. <laughs> what's what's yeah. this plan now? Can can we can we go over this once again because this sounds like we're killing people. Mm-hmm. Um and and for that I kind of I don't, I don't want to say celebrate the film, but I mean I I still like that aspect to it because um, you know, it, it, it is interesting that, like, in this universe, the war is crazy enough where, like, if you're alive, you're sort of in the war now. You know, like, that's all all that's left. It It, it is this, like, you know, the capital isn't a sentient series of machines that are destroying the human race. But in one sense, like, our entire universe is just the capital in these districts in mm-hmm. this film series. And the the capital is sort of that force that is kind of killing all the districts and wants them all dead. Um, what still kind of is frustrating and annoying is that the the universe really just isn't built comp- like <laughs> we may have the the game makers, but uh, those game makers weren't busy building the world because they just introduce shit in every single movie. That's like, ah, hey, yeah, well, now we got these things. They're pretty cool, right? <laughs> And uh, I guess as a book reader, it's cool to see those visualized in real life. But mm-hmm. uh, when you see them in the context of the film, you're like, where the f*** did these things come from? <laughs> Why did it, Wasn't this a city with people living in it like two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't know. There's, just, there's some stuff that I just really don't like about it. But also, so <clears throat> we get that the fact that the capital is oppressing the people by forcing the people from each district to compete in these games. Okay, like I'm on board with that crazy regime does this to keep everybody in line that's fine the thing is what exists outside of the capital still being a thing because 
let, let's say hypothetically that in the end the capital gets overthrown and people win, right? What uh-huh. is everybody going home to besides a bombed out wasteland? Like essentially if the good guys win, everything just returns to essentially what, <laughs> what yeah, the but they uh, get, Divergent they, series they, is. Right? They all get a piece of that sweet, sweet uh, tiger makeup to put on their face. <laughs> No, but but seriously though, like like where all the living characters are at the end of this film, right? Mm-hmm. The life that they have there is not that much different than the life they had when the capital was a thing. The only real difference is that once a year, a, two people they know don't get taken and thrown into these games, and possibly like starvation and poverty are not as much of an issue. But the movie definitely doesn't give you enough to be sure of that. But I I would argue that like where like there's a scene towards the end of the film like during the section of the film where they're basically doing the lord of the rings endings where they just end the film five goddamn times mm-hmm. um uh where we pick there's two characters that we pick up with we'll say and uh what they're doing is hanging out in like destroyed ass homes and digging destroyed ass dirt <laughs> to plant destroyed ass plants like there there there's no life there like there there is nothing it's not like there is uh it, it it's not like snow was this man who was stockpiling all the food and once they knock like when they blow up the dam there's just this like cheeseburger like cloudy the chance of meatballs wall of food that just comes out yeah it's not mad everybody. max fury road <laughs> no like like yeah we're, we're not we're not trying to steal oil or gas or breast milk you know, like, like it's <laughs> <laughs> you're, like they're still in a wasteland and I don't care how much they smile and like make everything bright and sunny and like put people in dresses. It's not a good it, like basically it's it's not like so, <laughs> you know, the, the idea of Snowpiercer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that like this world is basically Snowpiercer, but there's like. 12 districts and a capital instead of like a bunch of cars and then like the front car. So this isn't a film where the people in the back of the train uh, usurp the people in the front of the train and then become the people in the front of the train. They just reduce the front of the train (laughs) to the back of the train. Now now everybody's the back of the train. Maybe. I mean, we'll have to talk more in spoilers, but I feel like the... The characters that we are aware of at the end of the film and how they're living is not necessarily how everyone is living. Like, there are things in the movie that would suggest that they, their isolation is not the way the whole world looks now. But True. They they don't give you anything to know what the rest of the world is. And, and character-wise, those characters, like, they're sort of returning to us. Actually, that's not even true because... Uh, yeah, we'll get to it in spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I guess my, my point is just that, like, I feel that by these two stories, and, you know, part of the problem might also be that this is the second half of a story. So I'm viewing this single film as though it, it is a complete three-act structure when really it's just the third act of the first film, right? Right. So there's that inherently wrong with the whole setup for everything and the why, why it feels weird. But I, I just feel that at some point... It's kind of like so in the Harry Potter films, right? In in book one and film one, the entire film consists of these are the rules of the school and the students are going to classes and the school semester or year or whatever gets interrupted by these bad things that are happening. By the end 
of the film, there is no school happening. You know, like there's, there's no one's going to classes. Like there's a war happening. Yeah. But in that, it sort of makes sense because this force um, is assaulting the school as opposed to the school assaulting some force located in some other place, right? Right. So I guess I feel that they're. I don't. I don't know. I. I. I just feel like there's so much more. Like even when we were joking about the trailer for Allegiant series part one, two, whatever that the next film is going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're splitting that up too. They probably are. I heard they were going to, but I didn't see a part after the name. Or maybe they just give it different names. I don't know. Anyways, um, so in, in the trailer for that film, like these people have escaped from like a shitty world. And they're welcomed into a new world that is basically Tomorrowland. And the people of Tomorrowland are like, hey, come join us. And they're like, whoa, I don't like how this is because it sounds like you're going to go blow up our old city. So then they're going to go back and try to defend the old city. Like, we know an entire group of people is going to be destroyed, not because they're revolting, but simply because them, right? <laughs> like, yeah. That's what like the, the high-tech people are going to do. They're just going to lay waste to the people who they don't think are salvageable, not because they're... Uh, not because they feel that they're a threat, but simply because like they're they're taking up space, whatever. Um, so like we get the motivation. Like in the Hunger Games films, they've started an entire revolt simply to stop the games from taking place. Like they never make it clear what Snow does outside of put people into the games. Well, well, okay. So my problem is I don't I don't remember the world at the beginning of the first movie. Like, other than the games, I know they are living in poverty and they're like relying on almost nothing for food, right? That's how she meets PETA, among others, is he throws her a piece of bread. Um, but yeah, the game, the pigs, (laughs) the, the games symbolize the oppression by this movie. I mean, in the last movie, unless I'm getting it totally confused with divergent and insurgent, um, I'm pretty sure the capital has like laid waste to huge parts of the districts, like murdered many, many, many people. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they, so they, the thing they they're fighting for now, the revolution yeah. broke out. Yeah. So the thing they're fighting for now is like not just a status quo. Like the status quo is terrible. But but yeah, I would need to go back and watch the first one to know like is there is it clear that everyone in the districts are living terrible lives or are they just like poor in name because they don't have like crazy gold earrings and cat makeup the way that the people in the capital do? Yeah, no. And, and, and I think that's the part that confuses me because I don't feel like it, it, there's obviously classes in this world and the poorer classes are made to fight each other for the sake of the rich classes. And that I'm, – I'm all for bringing down the games. Mm-hmm. But it appears that – so let's pretend like there was one arena that takes a year to set up the games for the next year, right? Right. And simply blowing up the arena, which they do in the previous film – is enough to stop the games from happening for at least another couple of years because it takes that long to like rebuild a dome that has all sorts of this technology. Then like mission accomplished, the games are done. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, but I don't, I don't think they're rebelling against the game. I think they're rebelling against what the game signifies to them, which is that someone else is controlling them. 
Yeah. And like the, the reason this movie was kind of interesting to me, even though it didn't execute it very interestingly, was because I do, I kind of think about that a lot. Like what is the, the idea of freedom worth when no one was dying and now a bunch of people are dying? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like 12 people were dying a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, if you don't count the starving to death in the, the, the least of the districts. And I don't. <laughs> but no, so I, I feel like the movie didn't show the extent of that latter part, but I feel like I assume the book makes it clear that like life is pretty shitty for these people. I, I, I guess it is clear, but I think the way the people we see, what they, the life they choose to have once it's done undercuts that message. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's my real big problem with ending that way is because I don't feel that uh, the people who survive have won. I mean, they they have won, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what have they won is the question. What have they maybe won? (laughs) Does does that seem like a distinction that that makes sense or am I just being ridiculous? For sure, I, I should say that um, I definitely think the epilogue is really stupid. So I'm definitely not going to stand here and say that like that is somehow worthwhile or <laughs> helps the movie in any way. I think it's a really dumb way to end it. Um, I just don't... It isn't enough to make me question what they won because we are not seeing how life is like. We are seeing how these two people are living. Yeah, four and, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and these few people, they were never fighting because personally their life was bad and they wanted it to get better. They were fighting for the principle or for particular people they were trying to protect. Yeah. And look, now after the epilogue, they can be in like Queen of Earth or something because clearly they've gone batshit crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I feel like the you know the first few films throwing their quality out, just like not even equating that. Just on paper, interesting. Like there are games. Somebody volunteers in the game to protect their younger sister and survives. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then like the next film, like oh shit, twist. We're pulling all the people who won before and putting them in one game together. Like, that's legitimately interesting. You know, like, stakes are good. Then it's like, oh, shit, we broke you out of the games. And it's like, all right, cool. What what are the stakes now? Oh, the stakes are all at war over what is essentially this universe's entire planet. Um, I guess I just don't. There was one character in this film who's got it all figured out in the sense of they have a plan. And maybe at the end of this film, that person's plan maybe not have worked out the way they expected. Mm-hmm. Besides that person, who else really had a strategy for what to do once they threw it, took out Snow? Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent, like I'm a hundred percent fine with this being a straight up revenge flick and Katniss being misguided and really doesn't care about the consequences for the rest of the world, just wants to kill Snow. If that was the case. I'm I'm fine with that because I think that, you know, rage and uh this sense of like um uh revenge can cloud a person's judgment and they can make decisions that may not benefit the people. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what society. made insurgent so powerful. 
but, but you know what I mean, right? Like I, I'm I'm totally fine with that. Like I'm fine with Katniss not having a good plan because she is motivated purely by the desire to um, hurt the person who has hurt her. Um, but the rest of the world, um, I just don't get what like the you know okay we're gonna rush the capital all right yeah guys, so yeah. so i feel like we should go into spoilers because i think there's a lot to talk about there <laughs> all right well should we get to verdicts first then yeah okay steven if you're going to give us a must-see recommend with the caveat wait for until pass with the caveat or a must avoid what would you give it yeah so i don't know what name to put on it it's like a wait for rental to me i didn't actively dislike it i actually think they're if you've been watching the series, I would even bump it to a recommend with a caveat. Because if you sat through the last one, like this one is definitely a step up just in terms of things to think about and things that happen. I do think there's way too much telling and not enough showing of the themes of the movie. And I don't think it'll stand the test of time at all. But conceptually, I kind of dig it. I can't I can't end on too negative a note for this one. <laughs> um yeah, I mean you know me, I'm a completionist. So this is a wait for until all the way because I can't pass on like the fourth film in a franchise like it's almost done. It's it's right here. You just got to finish it. Um so wait for until for me. I mean Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, should we close out the episode for the people who don't want to be spoiled and then uh, jump into spoilers? Yeah. Cool, Steven. If people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Uh, people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, this Hunger Games film, so hopefully you're enjoying (laughs) that. Um, And uh, yeah, the music is going to fade up. We're going to give you a few seconds of listening to that, probably the drum beat of Katniss marching at the end of the film. And uh, then when the music fades back out, we will be in full-blown spoilers. So uh, stick with us if you don't care about the spoilers, <laughs> if you do care about hearing what we had to say. And uh, everybody else, we will see you next time. Peace. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> I don't want to say it. I just have to. (laughs) May the enthusiasm be always in your voice. Alright, so we are back. This is spoiler territory for The Hunger Games The Mockingjay Part 2. <laughs> and that was like a combination. Of... It was a pretty good Elizabeth Banks. I hope that's who it was supposed to be. <laughs> it was a combination of Elizabeth Banks and Stanley Tucci. <laughs> Maybe Stanley Tucci from Sex and the City. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll take your word for it. 
But anyways, I was starting to say some things, and you were wanting to cut me off so we can get into actual spoilers. Partly um, I felt guilty imagining, like, Dave Chen listening to this, which he won't. <laughs> but people who are actually worried about spoilers, I'm I'm afraid, like, talking too much about the ending and what it means for the characters is going to get gonna get messy real quick yes yes but uh yeah i mean i so so the one thing that i've been saying mostly the whole time is that at the end of this film we first of all we get a few moments of batshit insane katniss as she cries over prim and tries to like throw a cup at her cat which i have to assume either the cup or the cat was cg and she didn't just potentially like (laughs) being a cat right in the face with a with a coffee mug it would be the most ethically difficult decision she made in the whole movie, I think. <laughs> oh, dear God. But yeah, so uh, she she grabs the cat, Prim's cat. and it, Luckily, it, it... she cat missed, right? <laughs> uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. <clears throat> anyway, so she comes walking out and she sees PETA, um, who has happened to gather a primrose from the boundaries of the forest and he's planting it in what is dead soil like there's nothing going to grow there but basically they are on their same neighborhood uh not only does it look just as like shitty as it did when they back when they used to live there but now it's extra because no one has lived there for months i guess because they've all been at war and like it's everything's dead there's nothing really there they don't have food there all they have is these goddamn flowers that Peter picked from the edge of the forest because that's the one thing he's good at. <laughs> that and baking bread. But he couldn't find any grains out there in the field. All they found were these flowers. And, you know, they embrace and smash cut to them and their two children sitting on a on a uh, <laughs> on a hill. On a log or something. Well, she explains to her little baby the things that give her nightmares. <laughs> It reminds me of it reminds me of the the, the uh, freaking no escape when the little girl at the end of the movie's like, "Mommy, tell me the story about how I'm born." <laughs> oh, I could kill you right now, and nobody would know. <laughs> but anyways, so so basically, it's like, oh, isn't everything happy and like super awesome that like they got to like the two people who really loved each other get to be and by the way they they totally pull the nicholas sparks trick where like the guy she's with has to become an asshole and want to kill a bunch of innocent oh civilians. and they make it known in the first like five minutes of the movie <laughs> like okay let's see the guy who's suggesting bombing innocent people is he gonna be the one she ends up with no i don't think so <laughs> but in all fairness at that at that point in time she still had bruises around her neck from Peter just strangled the shit out of her so i mean like there was still hope <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just feel like the life they got at the end, like you can't just put a sunset and two children in like a flower dress and like make me go like, oh, happily ever after. Like, I don't understand the world that they've won for themselves. Yeah. So the, the ending is definitely dumb. Like the epilogue is stupid. <laughs> I think it's like universally disliked. Um, yeah. And if it wasn't dumb, dumb enough. When it fades to black and the credits roll, it's Katniss like singing a song again, yeah. <laughs> which I assume is her still holding the baby, singing the song to the baby. Yeah, I, I mean, so I think the epilogue was executed dumbly. As far as what happened to the characters, like, again, only imagining like the book, the storyline. At a surface level, basically, this was the story of a girl who rose up and became a leader 
and a badass and like a heroic person and then ended by retreating back into like matronly cozy living basically having not learned anything in the end um <laughs> like that that definitely is the feeling you walk away with the only reason i feel like conceptually it is okay even if it wasn't executed well is that like the whole story is basically her getting traumatized <laughs> like like the idea of the movie is she's decided not to trust in anything <laughs> anymore yeah um and so then like she could have been a leader she could have been anything but she chooses to go back and basically like live this fragile life with this other fragile dude where all they want is like to be far away from everything so I feel like for the characters, I can buy why they would do it. And as long as you don't take it as a happily ever after or as like representative of the rest of the world, I feel like it's okay. It's just really dumb to end the movie on that note. Well, here, here's the weird thing about it, though, because that life is the life that Katniss wanted. At the beginning of the first film, she's hit. She, she's hitting on the floor. She's hitting. She's damn it. She's sitting on the side of the hill with the other guy, her actual boyfriend. Yeah. And she's looking off past the fences, and they kind of say like, you know what? We could just like tomorrow. Let's just run away. Like let's let's just go out there and live the life that I'm currently living now. At the end of all four films. Uh, let's just run away and live that life in the forest. I can shoot us some pheasants like every night. We can eat those. You could, I don't split wood with an axe with your shirt off. I don't, I don't know what she wanted from him. Um, but like that, that's sort of like a plan they have. But the plan gets screwed up when Prim gets called into the games, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's the way the timing of that worked out. Um, or maybe she just like chickens out and then goes to the reading anyways. And then that's when I, and what, for whatever reason, she bails in that plan. So the fact that she has – she's basically experiencing that with the other dude who she only fell in love with because he loved her. Like she already loved a dude and then this guy was like, no, I'm going to love you, Katniss, and I'm going to die if you don't save me. And then she's like, oh, this guy's the one for me. <laughs> like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I don't – Yeah, The it, main thing they have is like shared trauma together, Yeah, <laughs> which is why, again, I see it as like two fragile people who found each other, not like a great love story. Yeah, but, but but even that is fine. Like I understand that. Like two people surviving trauma together, they're gonna have some sort of affection for each other. Like I think that's like only the two of them can can relate to each other in that deep of a sense. So I'm totally fine with that in general. But there was never a sense that that's the life that Peter wanted. You know what I mean? Like he never talks about just living out on the hillside and making a bunch of babies and. Yeah, but I never got the sense that he wants anything because he's not a real character. <laughs> I mean, you can tell he's not a real character in this movie where he's just schizophrenically two different things depending on, like, what moment in the movie they need him to be. Yeah. And they have, like, a framing device for why that's the case. But it's just, like, two opposite ends. Like, is he crazy and about to choke someone? Or is he, like, offering sage wisdom about the world? <laughs> they have something that explains it, and it's called convenience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or inconvenience, should I say. Um, it, it also is weird, by the way, that like at the end of the movie, we're not supposed to feel uncomfortable that he murdered a person earlier in the movie. <laughs> Wait, who did he murder? I totally forgot. He murdered a, a, one of the people in their team. He shoved him into the like the oil from um, Crimson Peak. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> where the hands like grab you and do you know string you out and murder you. I love, I love the callback to a film you didn't watch. Yeah, I never saw it. I saw the trailer. There was definitely a black hand in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's racist. <laughs> Anyways, um, um what you but saying? yeah, he he murders that guy like when they're keeping him around and they're running from the black oozing oil. Yeah. And like he isn't himself, but like the version of him not being himself is he doesn't know what is real and what is fake. It isn't like he doesn't know that murder is wrong all of a sudden. That that too is really He's like, the kid from Room basically. There's never Are, are dogs real? <laughs> I tried to strangle you, real or not real. <laughs> oh, that one's real? Shoot. I'm really sorry about that. I'm Peter, and I'm from the South. <laughs> I love you, Katniss. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I, it, anyways. <laughs> so, the, so the ending is dumb. One... The, the quote ending that I would think of, like the twist that they've clearly been building up to but still the the like the pivotal moment late in the movie where she is headed towards snow and rather than make it be a confrontation or in anything they turn it into she is with all these refugees who are on the other side you know who are running to safety while yeah. they're being bombed by the quote good guys and like Maybe a part of it is they twistedly got lucky in the time that this came out where, like, the whole country is sort of thinking about that sort of thing right now. <laughs> it, it is, I don't think they intended this parallel, but I, I bet the person who wrote the book wanted you to think a little bit about, like, how countries interact with poorer countries and the shit that can go down. Um, but some, something about the way the world is talking about exactly this right now about the civilians who get hurt when we're fighting and how we can feel like the good people and the people on the ground there can have a completely different interpretation. I, I kind of liked that the movie went for it. And I think that scene at least of her heading to the palace was shot pretty well. Like it built the intensity and it felt very, very dark not in like a PG kind of dark, but in a real people are blowing up dark. Yeah, when, um, the, when they rain down the care packages and then it just explodes yeah. all of those people, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of like, oh shit. I knew, like I could tell it was coming, but I was still like, well, they're going for it. They're going to do this. And so the thing I had spoiled for me, I think I mentioned it in movie one, someone ruined the fact that... Uh, Prim was going to die. Prim was going to blow up in the last book. Okay. And I've been carrying this with me as like, this is the proof that it's going to get dark. Like, this is the dark thing that's going to happen. But in the context of the movie, that's just like the cherry on the top of the darkness ice cream. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, everyone has been blowing up. And it's the good guys. It's like the people you semi-root for and the cause that she was rallying people for. The cause that, like, she's marching to finish, that killed tons of people. And then Prim is just like, boom, oh, she's gone too. And at one point, the pacing of that part and what comes next, like, she wakes up 
and Julianne Moore is in power for all of like 12 minutes before they've <laughs> already revealed the other twist and, you know, she shoots her and everything. Um, well, let's not get too deep into that because there's a few things I want to say just okay. real fast. Okay, so, but, but something about the reversal there where like you think there's going to be an ending and then she wakes up and it's already over. Like, and the fact that in that Prim dying was just a little thing that happened at the end. It wasn't given like lone survivor weight where like she died in slow-mo. Yeah. It was just like a thing that happened and then you move on. I thought as as uncomfortable as that was and as like bad as I felt for whatever teenage fans were going into this wanting another like hero to root for. I kind of like that. I got to respect that they went so crazy dark. Yeah, so so the, the first thing that I want to say, which is not opinion-based, it's just like a, a moment in my head as I was watching that scene that, um, uh, well, it's basically the explosion happens. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then like the medical staff run in and Prim's like, eh, and then she's like, Prim, and Prim looks up and then the explosion happens. She goes flying backwards into the ground, not Prim, but uh, Katniss, mm-hmm. flies backwards into the ground, lands in the ground, like unconscious, and her like clothes are sort of like on fire. Oh, she's, and then you just have like a view of her like unseeing eyes like looking up towards the sky and then it fades to black. I was like, her. <laughs> like I, I thought for sure the movie was over and we were still going to have another movie to have to watch. <laughs> so when it faded up and this movie was still going, I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, like I was... She wakes up and the eagles are flying her away from the Capitol. <laughs> But like I was just I was so pissed off in that moment because I was like, there's no way it's gonna end exactly like the last movie ended. Mm-hmm. Like Katniss unconscious and the film going like bum bum bum. So I I was pretty happy that there was more movie to go. Um to your point about uh that scene, like I, I like the the everything except for the narrative aspect of the scene, I really like. Like I like mm-hmm. the way it was shot, kind of the freneticness of it, like the the oh shit, the shit is really hitting the fan because we're here trying not to be seen. The little girl like recognizes Katniss and you're like, oh shit, is she going to be because like... Because Tiger Lady couldn't have painted her face. <laughs> most glaring plot hole in the movie. <laughs> That's the most glaring plot hole. There's plenty of glaring Hell plot yeah. holes in this movie. But anyway, so... So like there there's like you're 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 very scared for them and like the guy's reaching for her shoulder and like the only reason she's not caught is because start shit starts blowing up. So not only is she trying not to be seen, which is kind of ridiculous because she pulls out her bow and starts shooting it at people, but like um they are they're 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 running from the good guys and the bad guys, as you were saying. Um also, by the way, talking about wanting this film to go dark, when the people are grabbing her boyfriend and he's like, shoot me, shoot me. If she mm-hmm. would have shot him and killed him, that would be f-ing dark. Yeah. Um, but that didn't happen. But anyway, so I like the way the f- scene is constructed. The problem is, like, I think to really sell the idea of the good guys having this plan to kill innocents, quote unquote, to to uh, to sell the idea that the enemy is evil... I really wish that there were scenes where the good guys were trying to say that, like, no, everyone is in the, in the capital is evil, regardless of whether or not they take up a gun, because they are living in the society that, like, per, like per, uh, perpetuates the... Uh, well, and they, they try, like, they make Gail be the voice of that 
at some point in the movie, but it's a very unconvincing but it's always argument. It's as a question. You know what I mean? Like, it's never like a, no, like, what we're doing is right. Like, all these people deserve to die. Um, and I hope they burn in hell. Um, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's never a sense that, like, it's almost like they're not considering the cat, the life they're destroying, as opposed to them purposefully being fine with killing those people. Right. Because I think it's a darker and a more interesting um, uh, whole uh, conflict if they feel justified in killing those people out of more than just a strategic move. Because it's almost like they're like, like, I. Oh, we did kind of kill people, huh? But I mean, at least we got this to happen. There's never a sense like, no, those people need to die just as much as Snow does. And we are totally fine killing them in order to accomplish this goal. Like, I never feel that that's a real uh, motive of the characters. And it's not that that would be a justified stance. It's that I, I want a character to believe that to commit those things because that makes it more understandable. Not understandable. Right. but and, and you definitely don't you don't feel that they do. What you feel is that they think this has to happen to persuade the tide of public opinion to be okay with snow going. Or maybe more darkly, like all these people who have had everything, they won't be okay with our freedom yeah, <laughs> and yeah. with our equality all of a sudden. So how can we strategically get rid of them and not feel like it? But you never... You could only believe that the super bad people like Julianne Moore feel that way. You never feel like the majority of people on the Rebels would have been okay with that. Yeah. So let, let, let's move on then to um, to Julianne Moore's character and, and what she brings to the table. So the big twist of the film is that she is less for stopping the people in power and more for becoming the person in power. Like she wants right. to be the snow character. And like what I assume is the twist of the divergent series. <gasps> Don't say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, so this is, that's sort of her thing. What I mean, how do you feel about that? Cause I, I mean, I was, I was kind of on board for that. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm on board for it. The only thing I didn't like is I, I thought the messier way they could have gone is for the sort of power she wants to be a, quote, democratic power. Like, not someone who steers so deeply into the obvious, like, dictatorship, you know, calling for new Hunger Games and all of that. I That felt, like, a little bit more obvious and extreme than they needed her to go. Like, I, I would have kind of liked to see her be bad in a more conceivably justified way. Like in the kind of way where you believe there's a logic to her evil that propels her. Um, but yeah, I, I like it, especially for a, for a series that has like resisted giving me any of the darkness that the first movie hoped. Like I'm glad they went all out dark with Julianne Moore in the end. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I really enjoyed that they took that path, but I feel the resolve of that. Like, I'm, I'm totally fine with Katniss doing this big, like, oh, shit, turns out she was even the full time arrow to the heart. The problem is Katniss doesn't tell anybody. Yeah. And her plan is to bite the night whatever pill after shooting Julianne Moore in the heart and then let herself or kill herself, basically. Yeah. Which, in and of itself, 
I'm fine with the whole murder-suicide thing. The first the, movie brought it up. <laughs> the real problem, though, is that in that moment, Snow wins. You can see it in the way he's laughing maniacally. And first of all, Snow's dying already? Was that always mm-hmm. part of the story, or is that new information? I don't know. Because I feel I mean, like he's clearly about to die in that scene anyway. Yeah, like he's with just or like, without Katniss helping. Yeah, he's coughing up blood and stuff. So, so well, first of all, would have been would have been more badass if she pulled like the Robin Hood thing and shot two arrows at once and killed yeah, both but, of what them. What I mean is, the mob is clearly about to kill him. Yeah, yeah, no, he he definitely gets pulled to shreds. But I mean, he's got like cancer or something. Like something is killing him already. Like that's, I don't know if they've ever sort of alluded to that in the previous films if they did i forgot but definitely there seemed to be some sort of subplot where like snow was gonna die regardless <laughs> um mm-hmm. so snow gives katniss this whole talk about how like oh yeah really julianne moore's the bad guy and you know i always thought of you and i as like whatever blah 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 blah, blah and if you really want to do something good you should kill whatever so like like i'm fine with katniss killing julianne moore i'm fine with katniss feeling like she's accomplished all that she has left because she's lost everything that's important to her and being fine dying herself i'm fine with snow meeting his end what i'm not fine with is her not explaining to anybody what she did Mm -hmm. and letting snow feel like he won right before he gets killed because it seems like she just messed that up really bad it it does seem like an explanation would have helped, though I guess there. So part of the the shame of this movie is you can you can kind of tell that they didn't film everything they might have wanted to film with Philip Seymour Hoffman, if he had you know been around for all of the making of these movies. Yeah. Um, and I think that is one moment that kind of showcases it, which is at the very least. I feel like the movie would have had a conversation where she explains herself to him and he is kind of like the all-knowing person who already understood it and they discuss it and not that she basically commits this deed and she receives a letter and then she goes away and the movie's over. Uh, yeah. I like. I feel like it would have had more of a narrative pull if that had been possible. But it, short it, of that, you're right. Her plan of... Her plan only makes sense if you believe Julianne Moore is evil and nothing about the system is evil. Because killing Julianne Moore without saying why wouldn't necessarily provoke free elections and democracy. You know, there there are all sorts of other terrible things that could have provoked. And, and like, they spend the whole movie trying to convince us that Katniss is good at speeches on the fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it seems like this is a part where, like, Julianne Morris is like, before you would like to kill Snow, would you like to say a few words? And then she like spends the time and during the course of her speech, you see Julianne Moore get more and more scared. And then it ends with her like drawing the bow and saying like, this is for Prim or something, right? You know, like, yeah. whatever, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. But I, I just feel like in the context of what we saw, and, and you might be totally true, like in a world where Seymour, Philip Seymour Hoffman was still with us, like there would have been more scenes with him that might have sold that more. And and by the way, there are some terrible scenes of Philip Seymour Hoffman looking at nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that you're like, why are you spending six seconds showing him observing a scene from far away? Just to remind us that he's still there. <laughs> it 
adds nothing. But anyways, I just feel like whatever message is there is so... And also, think about the world that, that they're in. So these people risked their lives and lost a shit ton of people all because of the symbol that the Mockingjay stood for. And their reward for that is to see the Mockingjay, if Katniss's plan worked out, would be to see the Mockingjay not kill the person who caused all of their pain, but kill the person that helped them overthrow that guy and then commit suicide. Like, in a world where Katniss's plan was carried out perfectly, PETA didn't grab the pill and the people didn't grab her, what would those people think and what state would the world be left in without her? Right. So I think my only real answer to that, aside from agreeing with you, is um, <laughs> a lot of the movie is about her not wanting to be the symbol, thinking that the symbol is bullshit and the symbol is the thing that causes all this blind violence. And by not wanting to explain herself and by being willing to just destroy these symbols and let them figure it out, I don't know that I mind that. That That is kind of the statement she wanted to make, which is that, you know, she's done. She She's finished with all of this. But 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 so part of the reason she didn't want to be that symbol is because it was a symbol that was driving people to war and to die. Like she was tired of the people she knows and loves dying because she was that symbol. But at the end of the film, the enemy's gone. And in theory, like imagine a world in which the the girl who doesn't want to be a symbolic leader gets elected leader and can make changes through uh uh, decisions as opposed to by war mm -hmm. like her coming around into that world would be a much stronger arc for the carrier character than i was thrust into a thing where i had to kill some people and then i had to do it again and then i had to do it again and then i went and lived on a hill in the shire right like, don't get me wrong i would i i would love to for her arc to be one that ends stronger than where it began but i think for what the series is trying to say, and I, I can only assume it is like in line with the tone of the books, then this is not about the arc of a character getting bigger and stronger. It's like a character learning that the world is a messy, very difficult place, but some people do good things and you just have to cling with that, cling to that. And like that, that definitely isn't as satisfying on a narrative level as plenty of other ways these movies could have gone. But I do feel like it's at least consistent if you ignore the movies in the middle of this series, <laughs> which don't don't really contribute to that very well. Cool. <laughs> I do have to... So it's okay. I, I wasn't sure if I hallucinated this or not. Toward the beginning of the movie, I remembered... In the first conversation with Katniss and Gale, where he's talking about this plan of bombing and then bringing in the medics, I thought I remembered, like, bomb, bring the medics to lure them out, and then bomb again. Like, I thought I remembered him uttering this statement, and first of all, I couldn't believe how evil he was, and second of all, it made me be waiting the whole movie for this to happen, which so, it kind of did at the end, like, the medics came and then an explosion happened again. 
I don't. So did I imagine that, or did it? He didn't mention the medics. What he said was, "This is the." He didn't call it like a honey trap. It was like some made-up animal from the games trap, Mm -hmm. where he was. It was like the cracker jacker (laughs) trap or something, where he was basically saying, "You create a lot of explosion and booms in one area." And you drive people to what looks like a safe area, but when they arrive at the safe area, you've already placed bombs there and you set them off. So it's basically creating a lot of damage with one escape route, but the escape route is already covered. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's basically flanking, (laughs) but with explosives. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that, so he didn't, I don't remember him specifically saying, and then we'll send in some medics and blow them up. Mm It it wouldn't have made sense for him to. I just know the whole movie. I was waiting for that to pay off. Yeah, yeah. But also in the context of that first scene, the way I interpreted it is the people he was, they were setting off the explosions to drive into an area were soldiers, and the issue was that the area that the soldiers would hide would be residences. Mm-hmm. So it was more it was more a a collateral damage than the targets are the good guys, right. <laughs> I, I definitely feel like, again, I know they they weren't going for subtlety here. It, it is one of the problems where the characters are all talking directly about the themes and why they're good or bad. Um, but still, the, the character of Gale, I don't remember from previous movies, was there a hint that he was so like utilitarian and hawkish? Or did they just do that at the beginning of this movie to make everyone be perfectly okay with PETA in the end. Well, he was always part of some sort of resistance because he was never in the games with them. He was always back home protecting the family because that's what Katniss asked him to do. Um, And there's definitely scenes I feel like where he got in brawls with people in the suits maybe. I could also be thinking of Dauntless people from... <laughs> he reminds me a lot of Stonyface in Dauntless. Wait, which one's Stonyface? Or uh, Scowlyface. I think that was our name for him. The romantic lead. Uh, I forget which one's the romantic lead. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah He's yeah, got yeah, the yeah. tattoos that <laughs> apparently he hides from everyone. He's got the same hair, right, as, yeah. as our lead from this movie. I don't know. They're all the same teen romance movies. anyways are there any last uh any last thoughts you have about this film no (laughs) the series as a whole not really i will say though like i mean i keep joking about it but I, i i do seriously think that like at least I understand what they're fighting over in the Divergent series. <laughs> I feel like this series is so much better than the Divergent series. I'm, I'm kind of shocked, actually, that you <laughs> you would compare unfavorably to those movies. Well, I, I think it's one of those things where, like, that series is just so middle of the road that I'm just going with it. Um, and this this movie is just, like, it has more interesting things that it does less interesting things with. That, like, if I gun to my head have to watch a series, like, I mean, you and I, <laughs> you and I joke about the different houses in the Divergent series so much, and we never make a single damn joke about Hunger Games. True. <laughs> but. 
I don't know that making a joke about the movies is necessarily <laughs> a good gauge of how good they are. Uh, I, don't know. I almost feel like the jokes about uh, about the Divergent series are ironic because we know how lame they are and how weird it is that we watch them. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Anyway, if you're uh, Carson Patrick and you want, want to leave a voicemail to talk about how you liked or disliked this movie, call 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Yay, you got it. <laughs> First try. And, uh... Yeah, we would like some voicemails if you want to send them. Also, you can just, like, record on your computer device your own thing that would essentially be a voicemail and email it to fans at thespoilerwarning.com because it's going to be higher quality than using that silly Google voice line anyways. Um, so that's something you peoples can do. You can also leave us uh, reviews on iTunes if you would so like to do that. Um, and fear not if you give us criticism because we do read it. But it would be nice if your criticism was founded in something, like not trying one episode and giving us a bad review because you feel like in that one episode we talked too long about a thing that wasn't even the main subject of the conversation we were having. Um, we forgot to talk about David Letterman this whole review. <laughs> no, I mean, like, so, you know, we, we joke a lot about Dashbug and uh, the review that he gave us. But, like, in some sense of the word, we did try to laugh less in our episodes. Like, like... I, we, we were like, no, we should be more serious, whatever. This guy was being, like, kind of mean to us, but, you know, that's fine. His criticism was valid. Um, may have been a little accentuated, but, you know, like, whatever. Like, we will try to be more serious in our reviews. But I feel like that that newer review that the guy said, like, hey, uh, you know, listen to, listen to one episode of a film from, like, half a year ago. And uh, in that one episode, they talked too long about something that he missed the point of that conversation. And then was upset that we didn't get straight to the movie when, like, we generally do get straight to the movie. This episode, we had a little bit of wandering, but, like, in general, we've, you know, we, we keep the banter to a minimum. We, we go straight into the episode. We try to talk about the film. I feel like criticism, criticism is welcome, but uh, put some thought into your criticism, right? Amen. <laughs> you preach. And if not, it's you're going to have to you, go to the games. Him. You say it's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, should we get out of here? Yeah, <laughs> let's head out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> <laughs>